It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. As always, you can find the podcast on the Himalaya Podcast app, as well as on Google, iTunes, Spotify. Just tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown Bengals, and we'll be right there with you for the drive. So, Joe, we are continuing our countdown to kick off today. I think Jeff Hobson, Jeff Hobson. That's had nice. a really interesting question today about Bengals Hall of Famers that we've been talking about a little bit lately, and I want mm-hmm. to touch on that as well. You got anything else for us to talk about today? Um, no, actually, there was one question that was after the mailbag that said he's visiting Buffalo, and I, and I should look at his name real fast, but this guy asked, if uh, what's the best place to get Buffalo wings? And so I just wanted to answer that real quick for him. Uh, you're going to want to go to Duff's, I think, is the best for, for Buffalo Wings if you're in the area. I said name two. And the other one is Anchor Bar. Anchor Bar is the original for Buffalo Wings. It's, that's where they were invented. When um, last President President Obama, when he came, he went to, uh, to Anchor Bar to eat his wings. So if you head up both places, you're going to get a good representation. Which place is better? I, I think Duff's is better. For some reason, they've been able to perfect the buttery hot sauce. And in my opinion, that's better. Yeah, I can see that. The the butteriness is, is pretty nice. Yeah, and this is from Andrew Wells. So thank you for the question, Andrew. Are wings better in Buffalo? I've had them other places. Uh, not. I don't try to order them outside of Buffalo because why would you, right? I mean, the, the chances are they're not going to do it the right way. Pizza's not as good outside of you know the you know, you know the the core pizza places Chicago New York and wherever else but Western New York's known for their um, for their food and so when I go other places I have a I have a hard time with getting pizzas and you know wings so I don't do it. You don't think you're just accustomed to the way it's done there, so you think that's better than other places? Maybe, but uh, I'm trying to remember the website Travel or. or one of the travel websites ranked Buffalo as the third uh, best food city in the world. In the and, world? In the world. And and they did it because uh, of the f- fried foods. They said no one does it better than Western New York. So because of mostly wings. Mostly wings, but pizza and like... Pizza every... isn't a fried food. Well, Why they, is pizza good in Buffalo? That doesn't make any sense to me. Because they made wings good, so I think they had to figure out how to make pizza good, too. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you there. There's like 100 cities in Italy that probably have better pizza than Buffalo. That's different. Pizza. It's pizza. 
If you're talking and about you're... cities in the world and you're saying... I didn't Buffalo... rank them. Uh, I know. I'm just questioning. If you're saying the best pizza, the third best pizza I can get in the world is in Buffalo, New York, that's a hard sell for me. I I'm, Trust me, the only reason I know it is it's because I live here. And it's really good. Yeah, it's, it's better a, than... Is it New York yeah. style, like the big, round, skinny, flat stuff? This is by National Geographic. I looked it up real fast, just to be sure. Oh, National um, Geographic talks about UFOs and aliens now. Well, that has been that has been dripping out also, so I, <laughs> I am interested to see where that goes. But uh, is you're asking about the pizza. It's mostly tray style, so it doesn't come round, usually. Uh, and the pepperonis are the type that they turn into little grease bowls. The, the sauce mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. generally different everywhere, and the, and, the, and the crust is different everywhere, depending on how you want it and where but you get it, it from. When people say New York style, is that the kind of pizza you have? Or is that New York City that, specific? No, I say New York City. That is New York City specific. They're like brick oven type, you know, different. Mm. But well. I, I think part of it is because every corner or every other corner, I can go to a place and get a sub pizza wings Pizza logs, beef on weck. I mean, you can. These places are all over. So I think that's part of the, the. Uh, you know, you can go anywhere and eat and eat like a, eat junk food, I guess, or eat bad. You can and eat. You can eat carb heavy meals or fried meals. Wherever you want in Buffalo. Yeah, and that's that's appealing to a lot of people. Oh man. People. I, I'm I really mean, selling it here, right? You understand why there's weight issues in America. You with do. how good some of that food is. It's so yes. good. We had a uh, pizza and wings yesterday from our favorite place, and my wife ordered pickle pizza, Jake, and we because we've had questions about pizza this this off season. And this That's pickle way pizza weirder had, than my pizza. Yes, it was good. It, I mean, pizza just like, good. It is pizza is just good, and it had this. I think it was ranch sauce on it, but then the, the pickles were fried on top. It was they were great. It was good. Right. Fried pickles, I feel like makes it better than whatever was in my mind. Just like slice pickles on it, put it through the oven. That'd be weird. Yeah, that would be weird. Anyway, I'm sorry if you're hungry listening to this. I hope you are on your way to get food or have just eaten, because otherwise we've really we're, we're driving up the wing stop or I just whatever. Finished eating. Whatever your wing place is, give us a sponsorship. We will that would be your, nice. Your wing business. Remember, they sent wings to Andy Dalton when the oh yeah Bengals beat the Ravens. Right. I don't think they thing. would sponsor a Bengals podcast. So. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. Uh, did you eat dinner already, Jake? I know you're three hours behind me. No, it's three forty-one here. I had breakfast. I'm doing not the that. whole. I'm trying to not eat wheat specifically for uh, another another week. So, have you noticed the difference? A nope. change. Nope. No. Nope. Gotta, gonna give gotta it, trust it. Gonna give it one more week and then reintroduce it and then see if I notice anything. Ah, That's see if idea. your body reacts. Yeah. I guess so. I had a mighty taco for dinner and it was fantastic. I don't know That's, what that is. That is a Western New York staple for tacos. <laughs> taco Bell of Western New York. So no mighty taco, please. Jeez. All right, go ahead. We're, let's go. No more food. Yeah. Sorry. If you're hungry again, truly. Uh, so Jeff Hobson and Hobson's choice this week, somebody asked him a question about the hall of fame and I think he has a really good take on it. And you know that a lot of times Jeff Hobson and I don't see necessarily eye to eye, especially as it pertains to current Bengals coverage. But 
in this case, he's talking about guys that probably should be in the Hall of Fame. And the primary point he's making here is that he's telling other Hall of Fame selectors, because he is one, that there are too many good players on great teams in the Hall of Fame and not enough great players on bad or mediocre teams in the Hall of Fame. So guys like Ken Anderson, Ken Riley, Willie Anderson, Chad Johnson, Isaac Curtis, Corey Dillon, all these guys have better numbers in the case where there are numbers, or in Billy Anderson's case, he was just the best right tackle in the NFL while he was in the NFL. Yep. Their numbers are all better than guys that are in. Specifically, I think Isaac Curtis and Chad Johnson, there's some examples of Isaac Curtis producing better yards per catch, more catches, more touchdowns, and guys like John Stallworth and Lynn Swan, who are in the Hall of Fame because, of course, they won. Yep. Corey Dillon leads the Bengals for all-time rushing, leads the Patriots for single-season rushing, and has two of the 14 highest rushing yard games in NFL history. Not a doubt in my mind that if any of these players were on teams with more success, they would be in the Hall of Fame. No doubt. And the the argument for Ken Anderson and Willie Anderson has gone on way too long, and, and I think both guys should definitely probably, well, should definitely be in the uh, the Hall of Fame. I still think it'll happen. For Ken Anderson and when Willie Anderson. Willie? Who's gonna vote for them? Willie Anderson has has he has he been up for it yet? I don't know I don't know how far he would be into the pro I guess he would be. He, he would retired be. he retired before like Lydia the year before they won. Right? The Ravens. I don't remember. Yeah, it was the year before Joe Flacco won in Super Bowl. So it had to be at least five to eight years ago in that range. <laughs> or I could quickly Google it, but I'm I won't. He is eligible. I think he'll get in the same way Kenny Anderson will get in eventually, and that may be uh, just when they see a down year or or a chance to bring in one of those guys from the past, and it happens all the time. You look every year, and, and there's one guy that I, I don't know who this guy is. This guy played 30 years ago, or he, for sometimes he's passed away, which I, I you hope that doesn't happen. That seems terrible, uh, but to recognize you know to recognize those people while they're already gone but my point is i th- i do think those two have a really good chance of of getting in there because of the reasons because kenny anderson and, and his numbers hold up when you you, you know people embrace era adjusted and you look at him and he if he was with another, another team had they have won one super bowl with him he would probably would be in already but uh Willie Anderson is the argument and the easy case close is that he was definitely the best right tackle in the nfl for his entire career yeah. Was was uh is Jim Kelly in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Well if Jim Kelly's in the Hall of Fame, so shouldn't be Ken Anderson. Well, four straight Super Bowls is not winning one, but that is a lot of winning. But like statistically, right? Like aren't aren't isn't aren't there similar I don't know, maybe 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 that's not the right comparison. Right. It would have to be then that that's the point I was gonna get to is when you start to bring in guys that haven't won, all right? Now, like Randy Moss would be an example, but he was so far and above and better and, and statistically put up numbers better than everyone around him. So it's like, they, I understand. Why did they not win him. a Super Bowl with him in New England ever? No. Wow. Okay. Yeah, they went and they lost to the Giants twice. Was that both when he was there? I don't Either think way. so. Either way. Um, I don't think they won it. Any, and so you got to compare them to other guys that haven't won because obviously they place a large amount of value in the winning aspect of it. And like, so if a guy Eli has Manning going to be a hall of fame quarterback, cause he won two super bowls. Heinz Ward is Heinz Ward being in the hall of fame is a farce. 
there's a lot of Steelers that don't deserve it, but they won with these guys that were cornerstone players for them, even though they weren't great. Heinz Ward being in the Hall of Fame is one of the worst appointments to the Hall of Fame that that, that selection committee has made. Right. But like when Cart- Curtis Martin goes in, you can say, okay, well, where's Corey Dillon in comparison to Curtis Martin? And that's when the that's when the conversation can start, in my opinion. Yeah. The point for Chad Johnson in his favor is that he's one of two players in NFL history to lead a conference in receiving yards for four straight years. Yeah. And the other one's Jerry Rice. I think Chad would have had a chance had he have finished his career. There's like a there's like a whole fourth quarter of his career that never happened. Yeah. That didn't help. When he when he left Cincinnati and just didn't play again, right. essentially. Yeah, didn't help. And also, like, I, I think his personality rubs a lot of reporters the wrong way. And when I say reporters, I mean crotchety old white men, to be honest. And uh, I think he, he also never won. He was seen right. as a distraction. And, and you know, I, none of that's really that fair, I don't think. I agree. And if anything, you could flip that same, you know, neg- negative aspect to him. As a positive, we I think most Bengals fans look at it positively that he brought them and helped bring them the spotlight and a lot of positive attention and did a lot of good to get this team on the map. He did good for the brand, I think, when they actually beat the Chiefs. That was a big moment. Yeah, I remember that. We've talked about that. I feel like we talk about it every other week. No, not every other week. It's, a, it's one of the best games of the past 15 years for them. So, yeah. Or was that exactly 16 years ago? <laughs> I feel like we've talked about it every other week. I really do. That's fine. Maybe we haven't. It's a top five win of the last 20 years. Yeah. Maybe it's every three weeks. Fair. Should we take a quick break, Joe, and then talk about the next four guys on our list for the countdown to kickoff? Yeah, we should get back on track, I think. There is a URL that I tweeted out this evening that is an actual countdown until Bengals kickoff. You can now go to how many days till.com and there's a Bengals kickoff countdown there now. And where did you put that? Uh, I, I tweeted it on my own account. Ah, I see. I'll, I'll put it on the lockdown Bengals account too. But in case you were wondering at the time of recording, there are 76 days, 21 hours, nine minutes and 40 seconds until kickoff. We'll be right back to continue the Countdown to Kickoff series. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples. And if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back with the Locked On Bengals Podcast. It's our first of the week, and we are going to continue our countdown series looking at players' numbers. Remember, we we took 84 off the board because nobody's currently wearing it, right? And we talked about 84. Uh, we did. Yeah, we talked about Gresham a little bit and TJ Shinzada a little. I don't remember who else wore 84. You know, I've been getting comments on people. Someone said to me the other day, because I said, Drum Simpson, 89. But then someone entered my DMs and said, uh, yeah, Dan Ross wore 89 too, Joe. And there's an older guy, of course. So I just replied with, thanks for listening, because uh, I'm sure they're going to correct us a lot on these, these That's old That's totally guys. fine. Yeah. I guess we got to go get the book. Yeah, did you see the uh, comments, though? Uh, one was, you guys are killing me on my ride to work here, as we're forgetting players. Anyways, that's, so that was 84. We're going to move I, on. with. I know that one guy said, you know, he was expecting a nice, peaceful Locked on Bengals podcast, and then we were arguing about GIF and JIF. No, that was no argument at all. That was a very easy win of a conversation. Anyways, continuing, 83. You were so cocky. <laughs> 83 on the Bengals is Tyler Boyd, the budding superstar drafted out of the University of Pittsburgh. He's going into his fourth year as a professional. He was drafted when he was 20. That's right. That was something I definitely overlooked. And that's something I don't want to overlook going forward and why we did it this year when we did our wide receiver rankings pre-draft. It's because uh, age and, and when you have a breakout season in college football, if you're 18 years old, 19, 20 years old, that has a great indication that you are winning because you are athletic. And then so a lot of times these guys, they go and they test at the combine. Tyler Boyd, great example. And they don't test that well. And they're younger than everyone there. And it's, well, maybe that's why he didn't test so well is because he's two years younger than the next guy and and he'll develop and, and was still growing into his body and will get faster and stronger and all of those things. And I think there's there's a strong case there to be made in, in Tyler Boyd's case. I bet Tyler Boyd hates playing against Pittsburgh. He's from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. He was one of Pennsylvania's most highly recruited players, chose to play his college football in Pittsburgh, and then he was drafted by the Bengals. Of all people. He played five positions, if you count special teams, for his high school. Quarterback, right, was one of them? Yeah, he played some quarterback, played running back, played wide receiver. He set a career record for touchdowns in his high school league. He rushed Mm. for 2,584 yards and 43 touchdowns in one year as a high school senior. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. That's a lot of rushing yards. You said he must take playing for Pittsburgh. Last year, he caught seven balls for 62 yards and two touchdowns against Pittsburgh. Well, I mean, he's still going to be a professional, but I wonder if he would. I mean, he said he wants to stay in Cincinnati, too, but I wonder. I mean, he must have been a Steelers fan growing up, right? Maybe. You're not always the, the you know fan of your favorite team there. And he chose to stay in Pittsburgh for school, too. Like, he must have right. liked the city because he was highly recruited. 
2017, he had two catches for 15 yards only against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So low average so far. I'm going back to 16 because I remember as a rookie he had a couple nice catches over the middle. Yes, eight for 91 as a rookie. Mm. Interesting. So he's been he's been decently productive. In 2017, we can almost punt into the sun for his career. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened there, many different layers to that. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was a weird year, doghouse year. He in 2015 was the first player in college history or sorry in eight years to have 20 or more yards in each receiving rushing and passing in consecutive games really that concludes my fun facts on tyler boyd (laughs) yeah we had uh we've talked a lot about boyd this year he was extremely effective last year extremely efficient he was good he's very good slot receivers but as as good as you can possibly be out of the slot, in my opinion. And um, if he continues on that path, he is a player you build around. And I even said the other day when when we were doing our uh, two players on offense and defense to build around, I picked Tyler Boyd as one of the guys on offense. Yeah. Among slot receivers, heavy slot receivers, just looking at PFF numbers here, let's find his yards per route run out of the slot. He ranked 12th in the NFL in yards per route run out of the slot. Now, um, eliminate some of those people, though, that didn't run a lot of routes. So the only guy higher than him that had at least 200 snaps out of the slot was Tyreek Hill. He had 261 to Tyler Boyd's 366. So even still was 100 less snaps out of the slot. Yeah, uh, of guys that have at least 70% of their snaps out of the slot, nobody's no Tyler Boyd's number one. Easy. Right. That's what I was thinking. His efficiency from the slot was tremendous last year. It's very hard to beat that. Yeah. Tyreek Tyree Hill's the only one, really. And then Keenan Allen, very close. A little yeah. bit further away, Juju Smith-Schuster. A little bit further still, Adam Thielen. I mean, those are great players. Generally, yeah. Very, very good company there. Had so, uh, had had an excellent drop rate too. So yep. you know, all all down. Great year. And that was the thing. I, I want to go back a little bit to the college uh projection coming out. Many said he's a slot guy and can be a really good one, but uh do you take a slot guy in round two that isn't overly athletic or fast? You can't do a lot of creative things with him. He's going to be, a, at best, we were all hoping, a T.J. Hirschman-Zada, Muhammad Sanu-type slot guy. I know those are two varying degrees, but Sanu's had a um, a good, productive career, you know, all things considered. So we were hoping for that, and I think Boyd could surpass that. And his, his downfield ability, catching contested balls uh, down the field, is what probably should separate him from both Muhammad Sanu and T.J. Hirschman-Zada. And if that's the case, he's got a chance to... Not just be a productive player, but an, an impact player. And I've said this already, but I, I really do hope he's one of the guys that really surpassed my expectations completely. I've been wrong before plenty of times on, on players of Bengals draft. Normally, they end up surprising me, whereas it's usually not the other way around where, um, you know, I'm like, oh, I love this guy and he doesn't do anything. So it was the opposite for me. It was it was Boyd where I was like, I'm not so sure they made a good pick here. I'm not sure that the value is correct. And now I completely take it back. And we learned a lesson about wide receiver breakout age as a result right. and then heavily weighted that this year in our wide receiver evaluations. I will say the other thing that distinguishes Tyler Boyd from specifically TJ Hushmanzada is the way that the game has changed and the era oh, has yeah. changed. Yeah. I, I mean, if TJ could catch a ball, and the same can be said for Jerry Rice. I mean, Jerry Rice is not in the same world as TJ Hushmanzada, but if either of those guys can go over the middle with no fear of, you know, 
or less fear of getting blown up because you can't hit them the way they used to? I was going to go with beheaded, but yes. I mean, yeah. Would you rather be beheaded or blown up? Nope. Nope. No thanks. <laughs> I'm good. I'm going to pass. The next player on the list is Seathan Carter. Seathan Carter in 2018 played in preseason games. Yep. So uh, had a had a shoulder injury in the preseason finale and went on to the injured reserve. Do you remember any plays with Seathan Carter? Nope. I remember two. He had One... two catches for 26 yards. So are they those two? Was it in preseason? No, yeah. regular season. Two regular season plays he made. Or one he did, did make, one he didn't. Uh, Joe Mixon caught a long screen against the Colts uh, when they were both rookies, so this had to be 2017. And Seathan Carter was a, was an H-back at the time, came out and blocked all the way downfield, took a safety with him all the way. Mixon got caught at the one- or two-yard line. But uh, Carter was impressive running downfield and making that block. There was also one other play where he's coming out of the backfield and I forget who it was against earlier in the season, but it was a wheel route up the field, wide open, and he dropped it. His only target of the year. Mm. He wide played in open. 16 games in 2017. Yeah, he was a decent player. He was a primary H-back in games 5-7 to seven when Ryan Hewitt was out with a knee injury. I've, I've right. totally forgotten about Seathan Carter. Yeah, he played. It was just last year he got injured. Yeah. Yeah. He, unlike some of these other guys, didn't have incredibly gaudy numbers in high school for a guy that went on to play in the NFL. He had 23 catches for 418 yards and five touchdowns as a senior tight end, H-back, and fullback. He wasn't very uh, heavily used in college either, Nebraska, right? He did earn all Big Ten honors. He was a really good blocker, I want to say. For some reason, I'd have to look up his stats, and maybe I can do that really fast. But I don't believe he was... No, um, he wasn't highly productive. He had 59 catches for 744 yards and four touchdowns in 43 career games. Oh, that's all. That's, that's okay. I was going to tell I thought you were going to say that was one season. <laughs> well, that would be incredible for right. a season. Right. <laughs> because yeah. we talked about Mason Shrek on the last episode, and he had a really good productive final year at UB by Buffalo. And, uh, yeah, so that's basically what Carter had in his career. So what would you say? Is he is, is Seathan Carter one of the tight ends that makes a roster? We talked about all the other tight ends last week. I think you have to keep four tight ends. So is it Be- Jordan Franks then that doesn't make it? Sample, Uzama, Eifert, Carter, or Shrek? So there's Shrek, Franks, and Carter for one Which spot. one's healthy? Because they all had injuries last year. Yeah, fair enough. So we, we can start there. Let's let's see who's healthy. Let's see who takes the jump in year two and three for most of these guys. And, yeah. uh, you know, if any of them do, because I think you have to not even count Eifert. He's a bonus. And you kind of have to count him as a receiver. Maybe you don't keep, I don't want to say Josh Mullen, but maybe you don't keep Auden Tate and you keep Tyler Eifert. Maybe you don't keep that last receiver. Have maybe you don't they, keep Cody Core. Have they not kept four tight ends the last couple of years? They have a different offense now, right? We're going to a, a, right. if it's going to be ninety percent eleven personnel, then you really have to decide on where you're counting Eifert. Well, if you keep one less tight end, if you keep one less tight end receiver, you're just keeping one less of that position group. If you move tight end to receiver, and you say they're only going to keep, they're going to keep six receivers as they ordinarily do, and they're going to keep three tight ends. Well, that's yeah. just one fewer player, which means they're keeping someone somewhere else. Yes. You know what I mean? So they still could do four and six. They could. And just and, and Eifert's going to count as a tight end. Well, the thing is about Eifert counting as a tight end is normally every tight end also plays special teams. 
and the way last year even they didn't want to put Eifert on special teams. Do you don't want to get him unnecessary hits or, or damage banged around? But yet not every receiver plays. And we talked about the offensive uh, mismatch of, of Eifert counting as a as wide receiver. But also I think when you make the forty five man roster or forty six now with that third quarterback, you can look at it and say Eifert's a receiver, and we need three tight ends to play special teams. Sure. Let's take a quick break before we do our last two players of the day. We have two more numbers of young wide receivers. They're actually very close in age. One's a rookie, one's going into his third year. I'm sure you know who they are, or maybe you only know who one of them is if you're listening at home and you're not looking at the Bengals roster like I am. We'll be right back to talk about a couple more wide receivers and the countdown to kickoff. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And we are back again, going with numbers 81 and 80 after we did Tyler Boyd and Seaton Carter. 81, Jake, what's his name? Ventel Bryant. He went to Temple. He, we mentioned in a previous podcast, wore number one at Temple, which is awarded to the, quote, toughest player on the team. According to Pro Football Focus, he peaked in college his second year when he had 54 catches for nearly 900 yards and four touchdowns. He didn't have any dropped passes that year. And statistically, that was, in fact, his best year. He averaged 9.8 yards per target, uh, 16.6 yards per catch. So compared to all of his other years in college... Yeah, that was his best year to go from 16.6 yards per catch in 2016 to 9.7 yards per catch in 2017 is like what happened. But uh, Temple's quarterback change could be. I mean, Temple, I remember the last couple of years, they've been run heavy, right? Remember Robbie Anderson? He plays for the Jets. Yeah, he they wanted to move in the corner. They moved back to receiver there. It, he got suspended for an entire year. You look at his stats and it's very similar to this. And you go, what were they doing with Robbie Anderson at Temple? And now it makes you kind of wonder, what were they doing with Ventel Bryant? Because he's listed at 6'3", 200. Yep. And the guy's big and tough. All right, well, then let's – you know, I'm at least interested in see what he, he does. And he got some early praise, right? He did more for so picking up than, the offense, right? More so than, than – uh, The next guy on our list. Morgan? <laughs> and Stanley Morgan, yes. Yeah. Talking right. about – College free agent receivers because Ventel Bryant was, of course, yeah. a college free agent. I don't have his high school information. I have no fun facts on Ventel Bryant. It'll be interesting to see if he makes a team. He, like many wide receivers, has an uphill battle, but he wears the highest number besides Tyler Boyd. Dang. The Bengals only have three receivers in the 80s, and Ventel Bryant is one of them. And we're going to talk about all three today, then. We're going to talk about all the 80-wearing receivers. So number 81 for the Bengals, who do you think of? Antonio Bryant. Stop it. Did you wear 81? I don't know. You would have, I thought you would have, said, would have said Terrell Owens. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Do you have a list? I'm going to pull up a list. No, I don't. But one of the there. McGee's wore 81, I think. So I, I 
those two. Um, oh, you know who wore 81? One of the 90s receivers, right? Darnay Scott did? Or was it Carl Pickens? See, oh my. Now I'm, we're not even going that far back and I'm losing it. You've got the list coming up now. It, it might be both of them. And it's Carl Pickens, Ron Dugans, Ben Utech. You remember him? I do remember Ben Utech. What a sad story. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty solid signing, actually, when they signed Ben Utech. It was a solid signing. Honestly, yeah. if they did the same thing this offseason, I think we'd be like, okay. Yeah. Uh, 82s, just since we just talked about number 82, Marvin Jones, Tony McGee, mm. Reggie Kelly. Reggie Kelly played for the Bengals for seven years. So Tim McGee didn't wear 81? Does not appear to be the case. Okay. All right. Then I'm off on there. There was Tim and Tony McGee. I can't remember which one. I thought one of them wore 81. So Marvin Jones, 82. Tim McGee wore 85 Hmm. for most of his career. Apparently switched numbers midway through 1987. Imagine that. Or something. I don't know the history here. Yeah, yeah, he he wore 85 for games 1 and 2 in 1987 and then games 16 to 15. For games 3 through 5 in 1987, some guy named Greg Meehan wore the number. He probably had to give up that number to sign him, you know, get a stud like Greg Meehan in, on the lineup to really push you guys over the top. There's a bunch of guys in 1987 specifically that changed numbers a bunch. It's very strange. I wonder what happened. I'm sure someone will tell us. Oh, please do. I'm sure someone will tell us, yes. Uh, what are the other numbers we did today? 83. Kevin Walter wore 83. Yep, Kevin Walter Antonio, Antonio Chapman wore 83. That signing was not very good. Do you remember that? I do. Packers? I recognize most of these. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Antonio Chapman. He was a return man, slot guy, quick guy, short guy. Yeah. Um, just never, I don't remember making any plays for the Bengals. No. No. Our next number is 80. Is that right? It is 80. And that is, of course, Josh Malone going into his third year from Tennessee. A guy that was said to be a rising talent last year in training camp, and we haven't heard much this year. Might not have the favor of this coaching staff. We'll have to wait and find out. The Bengals went with speed that draft, right? Obviously, John Ross, 4-2-2, but the second fastest guy was Josh Malone. And he was young. Again, he's, I think he was also 20 years old, come out as a redshirt sophomore, He's very raw, very linear, very vertical type of speed. Uh, I don't think he broke down very well. I don't think he changed directions. I don't think he had very con- very much control over his speed dial. So he would lose a lot of it when he was asked to cut and make moves. And I think you can that can be part of your build and in, in the way you have long legs or or your uh, your athletic ability. But I also think when you're not a proficient route runner, it it gets magnified by. Um, by your physical limitations. And I think with Josh Malone, you definitely see that. And if he com- becomes a better route runner, even though it feels like we haven't seen him in ages now, he could become a more all-around receiver. But you do like his size. You like his deep speed. You like the fact that he's young. Man, I just hope that that fourth-round pick doesn't get lost in the shuffle. There's some pretty interesting fun facts on Josh Malone here. Okay. He had 11 touchdowns his junior year. That's right. And... His average, what do you think 20. his average touchdown yards per TD reception was? Oh, per touchdown reception, 27 yards. 
41.3 yards per touchdown reception. I tried to overshoot, and I still came up 14 yards short. Man, he was taking the top off. Six of his touchdowns were longer than 40 yards, and his longest was 67 yards. You haven't watched his highlights in a while, have you? They are fun, just for that. Just for consistently just scorching guys downfield. Yeah, really taking the top off. He Yeah, he averaged 19.4 yards per catch in 2016, which broke Robert Meacham's school record. Hmm. He was Tennessee's Mr. Football. That's about all I got. Any good uh, wide receivers that could ever come out of Tennessee? Was Kelly Washington Tennessee? I feel like he was Tennessee. I feel like it was. Peerless Price, maybe, was the was their best receiver. Anyways, I don't feel like Tennessee's got a great track record. No. no Besides Peyton Manning. And he was Alvin Kamara. Mm. I'm just thinking. But none of these guys Tennessee were receivers. Players. No. I'm just thinking now, you know, I'm letting it flash through my mind. Yeah. A lot of great players wore the number 80 in Cincinnati's history. Chris, Chris Collinsworth, Carl Pickens, although yep. Carl Pickens also wore 81, but early in his career he wore 80. Hmm. Peter Warwick. Oh, yeah. And the great Orson Charles. Yeah. We've talked about Peter Warwick a couple times, and I'm surprised at where he ranks on the Bengals receiving list for being considered a bust. I uh, appreciate your non-acknowledgement of Orson Charles. Oh, I, I Orson Charles was the man. That was one of their great drafts, right? That was 2012. That was their when they had like 12 picks, and that really set the stage. But 11 and 12 back to back really set them up for that run of of playoff uh, appearances. But Orson Charles, he was in a small guy that didn't test well coming out of Georgia. Many thought, well, he's an H back type. You know what? He looks athletic on tape. This is the Irv Smith basically pick uh, of this year from Alabama. If you remember why Jake and I were really off on him and I kept getting flashes of Orson Charles in that, but Charles has played in the league. And I think he was actually may have appeared last year or the year before. And I was like, and then for the chiefs maybe, or for the Titans and Wasn't he in Cleveland with Hugh Jackson for a while, he was all over the place. And I, every few years I go, or just Orson Charles still playing. Like of, of all the guys that made more impacts for the Bengals from that 2012 draft, they're out of the league and Orson Charles is still being batted around Orson Charles. Let's see. I I've pulled him up here. Let me see if I can find it says he's on the Browns right now. In 2018, he played for the Browns. Okay. Maybe that was it. He had a good year in pass blocking and he was atrocious at everything else. He had 13 pass blocking snaps. How about that? Where has he played before that? He was in Cincinnati in 2012, 2013. He was in Kansas city in 2017 and Cleveland mm-hmm. in 2018. And he must've been on practice squads in the interim. And not making actual um, rosters, right? Yeah. Or, see. or seeing can, game performance. We can look at preseason here. So he was in Detroit for 2016 preseason, and he was in New Orleans for 2015 preseason. Hmm. Orson Charles. Yeah. I was going to say, yep, I've got him on Wikipedia. Bengals from 2012 to 2014, Saints from 2014, Lions 2016, Chiefs 2017, and now currently on the Browns. Yep. Literally what I just said. Thank you. I know for this. I know this. I want to see if he made stops anywhere else, though. Oh, yeah. Remember when we did Shane Graham and he made stops, yeah. you know, in different camps well, and preseason? Well, kickers, though, right? Right. Well, I mean, it wouldn't have surprised me if Horson Charles was cut multiple times in camp or in end of, yeah. you know, at the end of summer. Yeah, fair. Kickers can sign, like, three places and actually play in a season. This is true. Yeah. Kickers live a weird life. And then catch on and be good. Kicking footballs for a million dollars for four months of work. 
we discussed this on air, right? Would we yeah, be how, kickers how or punters? I would be a kicker because they're so protected. And punters aren't. That's your goal, ultimate goal, is to be protected? A, field, a place kicker, yeah. If I'm on a football field, you're, you're, yes, I do not want to get hit. See, my I pick punter because I don't want to get, um, I don't want to be the reason we lose a game. Although yeah. punts could definitely do that. I would just, I would just be an extra point guy before they move the extra point back, and I could actually kick him. Stop! You couldn't do it then either. I, I was, I kicked extra points in my life, not, not on a competitive team, but on, on a practice field. Funniest moment of. Uh, my small football playing life was uh, blocking on a field goal. And as the center snaps it, the, you hear the, the one doof of the ball being kicked. And then you hear another doof of the center getting hit in the back of the head. By the ball. <laughs> <laughs> it was like doof, doof. And everyone yeah. turns and looks and, and everyone's dying. But uh, yeah. high school kickers are not very good. No, no. Which makes sense because, like, they're just soccer players. They're like, oh, yeah, you need a kicker? You're right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'll kick. Fine. The, did you see um, Vince Wilfork and one of the U.S. women's team soccer players had a field goal kicking competition in no, Houston? This, this was recent? Yeah. Vince, Vince Wilfork can, can kick like a 40 yard field goal, or maybe hmm. it was 30. But I was surprised at how well Vince Wilfork could kick. For a big round athlete, man, he's very large. Do you remember Chad Johnson's preseason kick, right? Yeah, didn't didn't he kick in? No, it was just preseason. Yeah, against the Patriots. Mm. Yeah, I I convinced myself a lot of times I misremember that and think it was the regular season an extra point or something that he did because there were kickers that were hurt, right? Yeah, Shane Graham was hurt, yeah. and they just figured they'd go for two every time, or uh, and then Chad convinced Marvin let him kick. Didn't he kick a kickoff too? Yes, right after the extra point, he kicked the yeah. kickoff, and they told him you kick it off and you run right to the sideline. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't. And as he comes back, they're like, "Chad, Chad, you're supposed to run off the field. Uh, like you're not going to go make a tackle. It's preseason. You're a star player. Do not do this." Yeah. All right. Well, that should probably do it for us, huh? Yeah, that's fun. A little wrap it up with that. Yeah, and so tomorrow, we've got. A few more, a few more numbers to catch up because tomorrow we'll be at seventy-eight days until kickoff. So we will have, actually, just two numbers to do. We'll do seventy-nine, right. which is a player on the team, and seventy-eight, which I don't think has been worn for about thirty years. Well, then we can talk about Anthony Munoz because we don't, eh, we mention him and say the obvious of, eh, Anthony Munoz, but we never really actually talk about him. So maybe we'll uh, dig some stuff up and and talk about why he's so great and revered as. Maybe the best tackle, best offensive lineman of all time. Very active in the Cincinnati community too. I bet you. Most, that too. I bet you many of our listeners have have met or talked to or said hello to Anthony Munoz. I saw him in a Walmart once, I think, when I was a kid. And even broadcasting, you if you watch the games, especially the preseason, you feel like you know him and know his voice, and you can't say that with every all-time great for other teams. And so that's you know that's at least something I, I think because those for me it always. Uh, guys that call the 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 games end up narrating the highlights in my mind when i when i think about them definitely true anyhow that'll do it for us here at lockdown bengals this episode was brought to you in part by blue chew you can find us on the himalaya podcast app google apple spotify other places on the internet we're everywhere until next time bengals fans have a good one 
Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 